back to Dive Bar Sportscast. Wipe your feet, pour yourself a drink, and don't forget to leave the drama at the door. We're talking about the NFL today, and in particular, the future of the most important position on every single NFL team, the quarterback. Yeah, should but be But first, <laughs> exactly, but first, we got news. Connor, take us away. Yeah, so... uh Couple, couple of recaps from college football. I mean, boy, uh, Oregon versus Georgia. I mean, I'm sure everybody's at least heard who, about it, but yeesh. Who, who played in that game? Was it? I did, know. Did, did high schoolers suit up for for Oregon? I mean, this was supposed to be a team that was. They were ranked 11. I know. This was Bo Nix. This was. Uh, they had and their defensive coordinator. Clout. This guy knew the team, and they still got waxed. I mean, shit. I uh. can't believe. <laughs> to 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 see to not even score a touchdown. Oh man. That was a pitiful display. And and look, this was an Oregon coming in ranked 22nd, not sure where expectations are, whatever. No, they came in ranked 11th, just outside of the top 10. That's pretty damn certain of where your expectations lie. Absolutely. They were second ranked in the Pac-12. And well, you know, as Pac-12 teams go, they uh, eliminated. They did the courtesy of eliminating themselves from the playoff chances on game one. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, I mean, good lord. And Utah, obviously, in Florida, since we're going to talk about Pac-12, you know, the extra sadness of. Uh, oh, okay. Man. Look, here's the thing. I Utah. Yeah. Utah was misranked. Yeah, agreed. Or not? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I actually. Well, I might be wrong, but let me let me say again. Florida was misranked. Yes, I mean. That was ridiculous. To have them not ranked was just uh, – uh, we were sitting there talking about what? BYU and North Carolina State when we're sitting – the University of Florida was sitting there? Like, I don't know. It just seemed a little weird at the time, but it clearly makes sense now because it's like – I mean, they beat a top-10 team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. They came out. They played off. They played their asses off, you know. They deserve it. They deserve to be ranked after this last week. Um, yeah. A little high. A little high for little sure. High. I agree, but – Deserve to be in ranked twelve. Um, yeah, twelve after that, and then uh, and, and and with Utah, I mean Utah obviously had to go down. They were ranked seven. I and and you know I I misspoke earlier, but it actually rings a little bit true. I do think they were ranked a little bit high, mm-hmm. top se- top seven to- in with not only in the top ten but number seven. Yep. I mean the teams they were ahead of were a little questionable at the time, but now I mean. We can we could sit here and go into every every ranking here, but I, I another game I want to uh, you know I was I, it was hard to be happy at, but I was happy about it, which was Notre Dame versus Ohio State. Yeah, started off with a little bit of a sweater for uh, Ohio State, huh? Yeah. Notre Dame yeah, came out with the clamps on, but true. I mean, Ohio State. That's kind of how they started the Rose Bowl. Absolutely. You know. So it'll be interesting so to see really... if that's how they start games now, or if hope. Hopefully, I don't know if hopefully, but you know, or if they're going to hit the ground I mean, running, because Ohio I, State finds its footing. We know mm-hmm. that. Yeah. It's a team. They're a team that always, you know, picks it up. And I think that this was a, a wake up game because I think everyone kind of came in thinking what we were saying last week, which was, is Notre Dame for real? We don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. new coach new new situation we don't know any of this what, what, who's to say well now uh i mean they are for real i will say that they had a strong showing but i mean this is suppo- here's the thing people are going to say look 
they they came out and almost took down Ohio State. We don't know that because they only scored ten points. Exactly. Didn't do enough they to instill confidence that they're in the upper echelon, but they deserve to be there. Exactly. Ten points, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's. I mean, and again, I know it was against the number two ranked team mm-hmm. and whatever, but I mean, we're talking about you know a team that was has college football playoff aspirations. Mm-hmm. You've got to come out stronger than that, but. I'll tell you who did come out strong was USC. Yeah. They played Rice. Mm-hmm. They played Rice. I get it. I, I want to say that up front. This was a, the easiest game they're going to play all season. But it was important because this was this kind of a glimpse on how this offense is going to run and, how, and more importantly, how the defense was going to run, which was great news for USC because they, they came out swinging. They picked off uh, Rice four times and took it to the house three of those times. Yeah. So – 66 points not not surprising when you look at the schools but kind of surprising when you look at where the points came from yeah that a lot the offense wasn't on the field much it was all the defense that was coming out and and really you know running you know running the show and that's great that's great news because they got a big game against stanford coming up this Mm -hmm. weekend this was the showing that sc wanted to come out and say hey we made boobs we're coming you know, yeah, this was we're back. this was important. Yeah, hundred uh-huh. percent. Yeah, and Good then you got Clemson. Yeah, man, exactly what I was worried about. QB mm-hmm. couldn't get going. Offense looked very sluggish. Scored a lot of points off of the defense. So you did call it. Uh, you did say, "Can we get the points on the board?" Mm-hmm. And and I, I don't know. They did look shaky, which is, I mean, they did get they did lose a rank, um, because uh, of well really because of michigan who was horribly <laughs> misranked i mean they played what was essentially you know a high school team and then got four increased ranks that's just bananas no matter how many how where you slice it but that's uh you know w- important games coming up especially yes. with uh you know alabama and texas yeah who, i mean every everyone rooting for texas thinks that texas should have been ranked and there's not many people that could sit there and legitimately argue with them they've got two uh, quinn ewers is uh, literally one of a, of a five star of five stars mm-hmm. so True. for him you know to come out and and put on a show against alabama would be something that would i mean that's the number one team in, in the nation bar none yeah so we will see about that we'll see moving on moving on to the nba uh big trade big trade happened last week obviously if you haven't heard which i'm sure Majority of you probably should have it by this point, but uh, Donovan Mitchell traded from the Utah Jazz to the Cleveland Cavaliers for Colin Sexton, Laurie Markinen, and Oshai Ogbaji, as well as three unprotected first-round picks in 2025, 27, and 29, along with a couple of swap picks in 2026 and 2028. So, wow, huge trade, huge change in power for both the East and the West. And yeah, I mean, how do you feel about the trade? What do you think? I okay, I love it, and I'll tell you why. Other uh, look, it, the, these trades are getting bigger and bigger. It yeah, seems. I'll make that comment first. It's like ever since I want to. I mean, it's not it's not where this started, but I feel like since the Paul George trade, I, I, everyone's been just throwing unprotected picks like like oh yeah you know, candy. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'll say up front. But I love this trade. Because Cleveland already had a set starting five, and they were kind of top-heavy 
in certain positions, a la Sexton. Exactly. They had to get rid of him. They had to get rid of him. Otherwise, you're you're sitting there and you're you're stunting the growth of somebody. Right. And, and yeah. I think I think that Mitchell comes in feels a key need uh, in because look, if you ha- if you haven't watched Cleveland play uh, basketball, you know in the last year, they have the front court loaded. They are they got the twin tower situation with with Mobley and uh, Jared Allen. Mm-hmm. They are set. Uh, Darius but. Garland coming off an All Star season. I mean, the team's true. true. Trajectories. They do have, up. And, and they've got they've got the back end looking okay. But really, uh, they needed someone that really had the sharpshooting to spread the floor mm-hmm. and and maybe take this team into the into the next level. And Donovan Mitchell does that. People, uh, his his not that his name, not that he himself has been coming down. Just I feel like Utah hit a uh, a peak. Yeah, they couldn't quite get past where mm-hmm. with all the Western teams coming up, Phoenix uh, in particular. Now you got the Clippers coming back uh, with with a, a healthy squad. The young Grizzlies for team. Once. Yeah, you got the Grizzlies that are just look like a new dynasty. You, and obviously you've got the championship uh, winners in Golden State. So Utah really wasn't going to compete. They, uh, you know, with those teams for dominance. No. When when you really look at uh, you know how their team was set up. And Utah, we'll talk about them in a second, but Cleveland, I don't know if they won this trade, but they certainly uh, look loaded on their team. Uh, in my mind, this puts them top three in the East. Oh, for sure. This Absolutely. Is, this is huge. I mean, their front, their starting five is among the best in the league immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so, and Mitchell had already signed an extension, so he's under contract for a couple of years, down. too. Yeah. So they don't have to worry about signing him. And, man, that's going to be a tough starting five to have to deal with in a seven-game series. Oh. Oh, yeah. And now you – and especially when you consider that, uh, that Cleveland also drafted uh, Evan Mobley's brother, Isaiah Mobley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they it's not like they gave up, a, like, their footing in the front court. They just gave up some pieces uh, that – are fantastic, by the way. Yeah. Uh, in no, marketing, yeah. an amazingly solid player, as is Sexton, and Agbaji was their re- their first round draft pick this year. And mm-hmm. everyone, I mean, if you didn't watch March Madness this uh, this past season, oh my goodness, what are you, what were you missing? Because Agbaji put on, uh, you know, basically a clinic. Yeah. He, I mean, as he should as phenomenal. a senior. Yes. Um, but the I think the real. Uh, question marks that everyone kind of came out with were uh, the the unprotected uh, picks the th- with three of them in 2025, 27, and 29, and then the swapped picks in 26 and 28. That's a lot of picks. That's essentially the rest of the 20s. Yeah. So you you're you're banking on this team being dominant for a while, which by the way is a good bet to make when all of these players are 25 or younger, exactly. except for Jared Allen, but whatever. Like they've got, they've got, you know, backups in that scenario. But in yeah. Utah, I mean, speaking of them, they they walked away from this off season with quite the haul. What is mm-hmm. that? Seven first rounders. Yeah. I mean, they they have tra- they traded Gobert and Mitchell from a situation that we now know was toxic or yeah. becoming toxic, mm-hmm. and and walked away with. A win. I mean, they they did what Oklahoma City did. It took them three seasons to do. They did it in one season. Yeah. So, I I think the and by the way, that doesn't 
uh, me and the Jazz are done. They're not going to be. They might be looking at a play-in, depending on their their situation, given the players that they yeah, received. They and absolutely the players they're could. going to build. Mm-hmm. So, I think uh, I think it looks good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, crazy trade. It's crazy to just watch these shakeups and to actually see yeah. one where both <laughs> teams walk away and are at least healthy. Right? It's pretty crazy. Sure. And then you. Then yeah. did you see what New York had offered them, right? New York offered them yeah. R.J. Barrett and Obi Toppin as, like, the two headliners of that. Both? Like, Both of them? Yeah. Uh, yep. New York is so sad. <laughs> and, and Look, the Knicks, the Knicks obviously, and, and this is not news to Knicks fans, Dolan. I get it. Uh, you're, you're, I'm a Clipper fan, so I am very intimately familiar with what an owner can do to a franchise both positively and negatively uh so seeing this was not surprising that the knicks <laughs> missed out on this even though they looked like the lock to get him and i know they revealed what they offered but it hasn't been confirmed correct so i don't know if that's the knicks coming out and saying well we made a significant offer and they're lying or <laughs> Or what, the, whatever the case is, I would believe anything when it came to, when it comes to the New York Knicks. But they're they they're gonna be they got small peanuts again because it's going to be a race to the top with uh in the East, which is you can, we haven't been able to say for the better part of a decade. Yeah, it the feels East like has it. been mm, has just been you know other than the Bucks and and obviously and I know the Nets look good and the Heat look good, but like. True dominance has always come out of the West in the last decade, mm-hmm. and and to see this with such young players already established on that team, that's a that's a good sight. And can we just applaud Cleveland once again for rebuilding so quickly after LeBron leaving? I mean, yeah. LeBron leaves the first time, and everyone thinks it's over. They rebuild to the point that LeBron comes back, and then he leaves again. And they <laughs> rebuilt almost immediately. Yeah. And now they're now they're an elite team, potentially, yes. yeah. at least on paper from what this looks like. Because, I mean, LeBron's got to be sitting there going, "Really? Just why? You know, you guys can build teams." And it's like, well, that's what happens when you you give up picks and young players. And that has always been my 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 problem with not with LeBron, but with teams that trade for lebron or go for lebron that they mm-hmm. forego youth and talent mm-hmm. in order to to capture uh, yes are arguably one of the greatest nba players of all time yeah but still i mean it it, it can decimate teams so yeah. it's i'm glad to see cleveland you know do this yeah me too um moving on to baseball, just a good story, obviously. And, I mean, obviously one with the historical aspect. Um, Here comes Albert, the feel-good story, yeah, folks. Yeah, Albert Pujols hit, his, hits to uh, – last week hit a home run off of uh, his 450th pitcher, which broke Barry Bonds' record, and he's currently sitting good. at 695 home runs. So, I mean – 695. I mean, just like the, the premier yeah, hitter of our generation, right? I mean, did oh, it yeah. did it clean a great professional on and off the field stuff he's done for the cities he's been in? I mean, and to watch him have a nice little resurgence in August and get close to the 700 yeah. mark, right? Yeah, I mean, we got four weeks to go in the season. Yeah. He could very well hit that mark. And what's, what's important here is that, uh, I mean, this is one of the league's premier hitters of the last 20 years, and... 
not a scandal to be found. Mm-hmm. I mean, when it comes to performance enhancers, nothing. Which is not when you've been able to say about baseball in re- in in you know in the twentieth or twenty first century. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm really happy to see it. Uh, it's great that he broke a Barry Bonds record because uh, you know uh, you know whether Barry Bonds deserves those records uh, or not. Uh, well, I mean, we may have to tackle that in an upcoming episode. But as it stands, to see him just just as an individual, fantastic, wonderful, and, uh, you know, I'm really happy for the guy. And I want him to hit as many as he possibly can. It would be amazing for him to go one more season and even maybe potentially eclipse Babe Ruth. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then, but the 450th pitcher, think about that, 450 different pitchers mm-hmm. he has just raked yeah. <laughs> just sent it over the wall mm-hmm. you know not e- not waiting for anybody i love it yeah dude i mean just a consummate professional you love to see it and so yeah. i mean we're cheering him on we're cheering him on to the end of this season and hoping j- at least for 700 yeah i would i would love i, I really would love the uh the 700 be- and he's got four weeks to go he'll do it mm-hmm. our ears to open uh, so now we got in the NFL, Jimmy Garoppolo restructured his deal to stay with the uh, Niners for just this season. Obviously, the market wasn't there for him after having a shoulder surgeon. By the time he was cleared and ready to go, teams had already kind of filled their uh, quarterback spots. So now he's going to back up Trey Lance and be an insurance policy to Trey Lance should something happen or Lance maybe not play as well as the Niners hope. Um, yeah. So smart play. I Look. mean, savvy play. Really? Is that, uh, what, what, I think so for the playing? Niners. I think so. I mean, he had no market, right? Oh, so. for the Niners? Yeah. For the Niners, no doubt. Yeah. But is this smart for Jimmy? No. I mean, I think he kind of stuck with what he had to do. Obviously, he loves, you know, quote-unquote loves the team. Not going to input any inflection one way or another. I'm sure he does. The 49ers are always a family-first kind of team, as they've showed. Um Obviously, I'm sure he wants to be starting, as any starting quarterback has or would want to, right? Well, of course. So, and uh, but, uh, yeah. but the extension has a no tag and no trade clause. So, he does have a lot of power, and so they can't I mean, just throw him away. But, you know. Look, it's important. You mentioned that the market wasn't there. I, I think the market was there, but not for the price. Yeah. That the 49ers wanted, which was probably going to be a first or second rounder, probably leaning more towards second. Yeah. But even that in this league mm-hmm. is, is is huge. And Garoppolo, I mean, he's coming off of a, off of injury. He's coming off of, you know, essentially being, you know, replaced. And, you know, to, to try to get top tier talent out of that, is is a bit of a, a bit of a stretch. Yeah. So uh, it doesn't surprise me that no teams were were willing to meet that price. Not to say that he doesn't have a market somewhere. He does. I, I I bet you a handful of teams, including my own Steelers, would have loved to go after him in that situation. But it just it just didn't make sense mm-hmm. given the given the price. Now I don't think this is very smart on his part. Because what it does is takes his already his value that was there, and it he takes away a year of football. True. So now he he sits there and yeah, I I, I like that his contract is structured the way he wants it, right? Because clearly, when I see no trade clause and no tags, no tag is easy, right? That's all money. Mm-hmm. Don't 
don't give me the short end of the stick. Give me a give me a contract. Right. Uh, and the no trade clause, though, I think that's more in his favor because that's that's a look. You're not just going to send me the Lions and be done with it. Yeah. You know, that's true. And is what it is. Uh, but at the same time, I think that when you're a player in his situation, I don't think you should be sitting there turning down teams. Uh, I don't think you have the luxury. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo has the luxury of, uh, of waiting around to, to find the perfect match. Uh, and I don't know what it is about quarterbacks that played in new England that weren't named Tom Brady leaving new England to essentially, uh, I mean, uh, you, we saw it with Castle. Mm-hmm. We've now we've seen it with Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. They have a good year or two, and then they drop off. And it's like, again, that's that's a little conspiracy theory for you. But <laughs> I I think that I, I don't think he did himself any favors with by locking it in. I think he he really needed to. Te- I think he needs to test the market for real. Mm-hmm. And I know he restructured his deal. He's got one more year. He's gonna back up. He's doing a service to the team. I just don't know why. Yeah. Because when I th- when I look at a team like the 49ers, uh, I see a team that was very much ready to start Trey Lance no matter what Jimmy Garoppolo wanted. So I don't see that as uh, a loyalty or something something that I should reward with one more year of a of a what really amounts to one of the best backups now in the league. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that that should be rewarded. I think that that should be you know like. It, uh, it's all about a career rise, right? He took a career loss to to Trey Lance, who, you know, it's like, look, the 49ers can do what they want. It's their team. But all I'm saying is that he kind of he kind of killed his own he's his market for another year. He'll be removed from from actual starting time. Will will his market decrease maybe a little? It's, but here's the kicker. With this draft coming up, this is a. I don't think he realizes what kind of draft we're about to have next season, or next year. Yeah. The twenty twenty three draft is quarterback heavy, and the talent is insane, both at the top end and in the middle. Yeah. So, I don't know if he did himself any favors here, because even if he goes to a new team, they might be only getting him for a little while in order to uh, prepare for a C.J. Stroud, a Bryce Young. You know, we don't know. Yeah. So we, you know, we'll see. We're definitely in that interesting period of uh, changing of the guard, right? A lot of the guys that mm-hmm. you and I both grew up with are now starting to slowly yeah. retire yeah. and get phased out for the younger guys. So. Yeah. Uh, and we got we and we got some stuff to talk about that today. So. We absolutely do. Staying in football, um, Bills cornerback Tredavious White is going to start the season on the physically unable to perform list after tearing his ACL last season on Thanksgiving. So he'll be out for the first four games, which is important to note for the Buffalo Bills as he is a two-time Pro Bowler and a one-time first-team All-Pro. And they're starting out playing the Rams as of recording tonight, the Titans, the Dolphins, and the Ravens. So a team with Super Bowl aspirations losing a cornerstone defender especially in a passing league it's gonna start him off That's huge yeah maybe maybe losing a step maybe not i mean buffalo's gonna score a ton of points right so if they can you know yeah score points I, and not have to worry i uh yeah it's it's one of those things where you got to look at and, and go can can they survive the amount of games he needs to come back mm-hmm. um 
it it's tough. Obviously, uh, at the time of this filming tonight, uh, they're playing against the Rams, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that, against a championship, a team who just won the championship, albeit a championship that wasn't played against the Bills. Mm-hmm. Um, it that's obviously tough. The Titans and Dolphins may be a little easier, but the Dolphins are reloaded. The Ravens are actually looking healthy uh, for once, so they may need him. You know, back. I mean, they're going to need him back as soon as possible, regardless. Mm-hmm. But um, whether they falter enough remains to be seen. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not willing to call it. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's a premier position now. I mean, the Rams mm-hmm. are obviously going to be the biggest of the pass-heavy teams, but the Dolphins do have Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill, so those are two yeah. guys that you can't really, you know, can't just let let them run r- roughshod, right? Or they're gonna gonna put up some points. So yeah, yeah. Um, be interesting. I mean, obviously the Bills are the Super Bowl favorites this year for a, a lot of people. So, well, the Bills. I mean, they they are and they should be. They should be. I mean, they 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 lost because of a coin toss. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> so true. It's it, this would be a very different game, or a very different season already, and it would have been a very different season last last year. You know, if if they had won that coin toss, who knows? Who knows? It's it's over and done with now. But mm-hmm. they look favored and they look strong. They do. So some big news that came out. Obviously, in the college football landscape, the uh, board of managers voted mm. to expand the number of teams from four to twelve, and so far it's supposed to be implemented in 2026. But as of today, they are really pushing for 2024 to get these 12 teams in. And uh, good, it's going to take the six hi- the six highest ranked teams and six at large teams into the playoff. So, I, I mean, like it. I do too. I mean, it really it gets. Obviously, 12 more of the best teams playing. I mean, more games. Uh, What's not to love, right? (laughs) It's better than watching, obviously, the fourth, the number four team in the playoff. Usually gets what? Usually gets slapped around, right? Let's let's be real. That's just kind of the way it goes. Well, I'm just – I think everyone's a little tired of seeing the SEC. Yeah. Uh, Ah, of course. You know, take take it inherently when – and there are a lot of teams that start from behind and – they can't they can't rise enough right based on the team based on their mm-hmm. schedule and that's not their fault especially when you have a talented team so i think i think expanding it to to 12 teams is very important for both just competition and for viewership because i think you're going to see a situation where i mean this look there is no more heated time in college sports than march madness in basketball yeah Uh, And I think a 12-team playoff in football might challenge that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the playoff, because, look, the NFL reigns supreme in professional sports when it comes to viewership. Mm -hmm. And and there's a reason for that. Because just inherently exciting, but the playoff atmosphere is wild. And it is with many sports. You know, I don't want to take away from anything. but, But by adding college football into that mix... And not just with four teams, but with 12 teams in an actual playoff structure that makes sense. And we're not sitting here, you know, uh, basically just twiddling our thumbs watching bowl games until the, you know, the college football playoff game, you know, the the championship game. Mm-hmm. Now you get to see a, a playoff structure. Amazing. I, I'm all for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's great. I mean, uh, what's what's there not to love, right? I, yeah, I'm going to exactly. love watching a couple more teams getting the chance to go at it and. 
there's going to mm-hmm. be bigger chances for bigger upsets. I mean, that, now this leaves some, like, oh, yeah. really crazy matchup. And, boy. I mean, well, it's 12 teams. So, uh, yeah. just the more you add, you're, mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, speaking of, I mean, to stick into college football, obviously a team that we thought was going to drop out last week who played well is yeah. getting their star player back, who we thought was going to be out for the whole year, their quarterback, Sam Hartman, who – was uh, was a top probably ten quarterback in the entirety of college. Uh, yeah, ended up having a blood clot from Paget Schroeder syndrome, which is associated with prolonged or strenuous activity. He got it removed. He had an ultrasound. Everything looks good, so he's cleared to play. So I mean, there's another team. Wake out Forest. There. Yeah, Wake Forest. I would like to apologize. Yeah. We called this mm-hmm. a bit early. Uh, given the information we had, which was a non-football injury, and 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 just the the prowess surrounding Sam Hartman and losing and what that meant in losing him, you know, I mean, we called it we 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 called it as we saw it, and we were wrong because mm-hmm. now you, I mean, not only do they win their game in 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 a, just a blowout, oh yeah, they but then great. in their first game, but now they've got their quarterback, their tr- their number one back, and yeah, now we could see. Now this gets interesting. It does, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so I'm happy like for him. Yeah, me too. Hopefully, looking forward to having a big season. Um, oh yes, yes, yes. Then moving over to golf, um, I'm sure a lot of people have heard Cameron Smith, the number two mm. ranked player and the winner of the 150th Open Championship, is leaving the PGA Tour for yes, Live Golf. Good old Live. Good old Live. Yeah, I I looked at that and and saw a man that, you know, it's easy to see. There's two sides uh, that you can really look at uh, of of many uh, mm-hmm. out there. But there you, there's a guy that's coming up in in the golf world, and he's got a fantastic future ahead of him as a professional golfer. And it's easy to see that as, uh, you know, why the hell would you leave, you know, when you're one of the top guys at that point. And well, because it's not certain. Yeah. And I think that again, whenever I hear live and whenever I hear a player leaving for live, I think money. Oh yeah. And and security. Mm-hmm. And even though the PGA has already implemented changes that we talked about last episode, mm-hmm. it's still it can still be daunting for these top players to go in and you know have their careers take a you know take a fall off a cliff at any moment and that can be scary now it's a little less certain in that regard when it comes to golfers but i mean I, i'm trying to dance around i don't want to fault him you know for for this um you know i, I i'm not a i'm not the biggest fan of live i understand it mm-hmm. and and watch the first episode and you'll hear all my opinions about it but <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I just see this as as a uh, a reactionary move of taking advantage of your newly found status, and and jumping for a contract while you still have that status. Yeah. Uh, which I mean, of course that I, you know, I'm sure that uh, Cameron Smith would would refute everything I, you know, I'm saying, but it. What it looks like usually, I mean, if it talks like a duck and walks like a duck, it's, chances are it's a fucking duck. Yeah. And he, it seems like this is a player trying to uh, secure his place uh, in, you know, with with the with the money and the contract. And so, 
I mean, good for him for getting the money. Yeah. But uh, sad, to see, sad to see him leave the tour. Yeah, it's just interesting because he's in his prime too. So right, he's going to keep getting better. I mean, he he realistically was probably a world number one at some point, right? Barring any yeah anything crazy, I mean, right? You know. I mean, uh, it's it's something that like, and and that's the question you have to ask yourself: Does he progress now? I don't know. And when you're not playing against the best, yeah. Are you are you are you really progressing? Yeah. I don't know. And Remain, he remains to be seen. And he has come out and said that he thinks it is unfair that Liv still does not have the uh, chance to be in the world golf rankings. So uh, well that he can uh, he can suck my knob for that one because <laughs> I'll tell you what, folks. Like we said in the in the when we talked about this, this has nothing to do with the PGA and everything to do with the official world golf rankings and how they line up their like events for every major golf tour in the world so when they come out look it may seem quote-unquote unfair but if every other golf tour is is already doing this you know it, it, you can't look at the one who's doing less you know it'd be it'd be one thing if they were doing 108 holes <laughs> i don't know yeah. something crazy yeah but they're doing 54 mm-hmm. they're doing less than everybody else mm-hmm. are playing less golf objectively mm-hmm. and they want these points I mean, and again, it's not like their application's been denied. It's just they haven't met the criteria yet. And they're already pivoting to do that. So they know this. So to, for, for Cameron Smith to come out and say that, oh, it's not fair, that, that, that shut up. Like, you don't, <laughs> like, come on. Like, you, uh, you, you just got there. And you, why is it that the second they get into live, every, every single one of them is like, well, I think, uh, I think I've got the sack to talk, you know, speak my mind now. Yeah. It's like, if you'd have done this on the tour, this, this stuff would have gotten, you know, better on the tour. So don't give me that. Whatever. We're moving on. I, I'm not even <laughs> talking about that anymore. So it uh, came out today, this Thursday, that uh, tomorrow, n- September 9th, the MLB, the MLB, my apologies, is going to vote on a couple of new rule changes, including a 15-second pitch Ooh. clock with bases empty, 20 seconds with runners on, including two let, let's take these one by one okay, here hold let's on let's do that perfect let, let, let's do that so because uh, there, there's a lot of information there here. is yes so a 15 second pitch clock that you got to pitch the ball in 15 seconds once you're once you're you're ready position that this is this clearly an effort to speed up the game mm-hmm. uh in 20 seconds with runners on that it seems like oh 15 seconds 20 seconds not that not a lot of time but it's 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 enough you know, it's it's enough, and I, I think with this rule, I like it, okay. because it, it, if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about rules that don't really affect how the game is played, but merely how 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 quickly we get to that point, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. As long look, as long as this doesn't, if rules are gonna affect players in how they, you know, and how they play. That's that's a little something different when it comes to pitchers. That's still a significant amount of time to get ready. You're fine. No one's sitting there going, "All right, five, four, No, <laughs> that's got true. Fifteen seconds that's with true. the bases empty and twenty with runners on. So, I I don't know. What do you think? Um, I I think it's great. Obviously, right? You know, um, baseball has always suffered from the occasional, not even occasional, but you know, drawing out of innings for certain kind of things. And do some pitchers have very long wind-ups or progressions into their wind-up? It's, I mean, pitchers are finicky, right? It, it's baseball. Baseball yeah. players are finicky. It's a lot of trends and numbers. And, I mean, we were just talking about Craig Kimball, right? Keeping his yeah. uh, walkout 
is saying. The was, man changed his walkout music, which was always Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. He changed it out. There was a uh, like a, a certain event where the fans got to choose the walkout music for a bunch of players, and they chose Let It Go from Frozen. Uh, to be his walkout music, he pitched that night a perfect inning, and he has yet to change it back in three weeks, and he is also yet to give up a run in six games. So, you know, there's the superstition coming in for for baseball players. Right. So that that's more or less where I come from. Like I, I'm sure pitchers aren't going to be happy about it, right? Because now they can't do whatever these prolonged things that help them yeah. get in the zone. But sure. Also, this kind of stuff is the reason people don't like watching baseball because it takes however many minutes for, you know, in between pitches and all that stuff. So that's good. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, you get you ask anybody, baseball purists are one thing, but if you just ask average fans, I mean, a lot of people, uh, you know, don't like watching pitching battles. I mean, again, we're ba- you and I are baseball fans. I, I love man, watching love pitching it. battles. I love it. The guy's addition and drops it, you know. Has a 10, 12 yep. strikeout game where he just dominates, or both uh-huh. guys do, and all it comes down sure. to is a simple mistake. Fun to watch. But we know, but we also know how how long these at bats can go yeah. when you're truly having in, in the midst of that battle. Mm-hmm. And so cutting down on not so much the play, but the in between time, I'm okay with that. Yeah. So all right, what's this next? Next one? one, yeah, two disengagements from the rubber per plate plate appearance. Uh. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I think Yeah, that's uh that's another speed mm-hmm. issue, right? I think yeah, then this next one's going to kind of follow because that was for pitchers obviously. This next one's for batters, right? A requirement for hitters to be in the yeah. box and alert with 8 seconds to go on the clock. I think that's good. I think a lot of yeah. batters tend to take an unnecessary amount of breaks in you know, if they're not feeling right and they call their timeout, yeah. right? So I like that. I think that one's probably one of my more least favorite things that baseball players do currently um sure and all th- and, and folks all three of these have been uh, basically been time-based mm-hmm. you know we, we, we talked about the first one the two disengagements that's just the pitcher being able to literally disengage from from the pitch mm-hmm. uh, you know and and so only limiting that to two that's huge and then obviously now this saying batters you, you can't just delay and, th- and try to throw people off their rhythm mm-hmm. you you know i know that's part of the game but Again, I I'm not I'm not upset at, at it. Mm-hmm. I'm not I I think that one will be a little harder of the three that we're we've already listed. I think that one's going to be the one where uh, people aren't watching as intently mm-hmm. because I mean sitting there going, well, you've only got eight seconds, and now it's like I I think that they're really going to be looking at the pitching uh, uh part yeah more. I know uh, that that one was always the problem. Yeah, yeah, and then. Moving on, obviously, uh, only two infielders will be allowed on each side of second base, and infielders cannot position themselves on the outfield grass before the pitch is thrown, which is actually huge. Because, I mean, this is yeah. a step to somewhat eliminating the shift in a way or another, which yeah. has become the norm for defenses and has killed at least hitters' careers, right? It's, it's, I think oh, it's yeah. overall dropped the overall average of a ton of players, right? Because the game is so analytics-driven that now players are just able to set up to where on average a player is going to hit, right? And so, I mean, this is crazy. This is actually a very big rule when you get down to it. Yeah, because it, 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 it 
it's a uh, people got to plan defensively in uh, mm-hmm. when you're playing when when coaches are trying to plan for certain hitters and you look at your the lineups that you're going to be facing you you the shift is important mm-hmm. and so to see them taking steps to essentially almost eliminate it in in, in a broad sense that's going to change a lot of defensive schemes mm-hmm. and in a long game with with at bats where you every at bat is crucial I mean that's that's that could alter an entire scheme. Yeah. Yeah. And lastly, bases will increase in size from 15 inches to 18 inches. So that that one I I look at and I I think that's the one that's going to resonate with a lot of people because it's it's visual. Right. And you know so the, the size of the bases from 15 inches squared to 18 inches squared. Uh, was that really on the table? Was that were, were we really? Go- I mean, I just don't know the, the the true you know background behind that decision. Me neither. I mean, it'll make it, it'll make base stealing a little easier, obviously, because you'll have a bigger bag. Yeah. Um, yeah. True. Yeah. Good point. Looking so probably I, I mean, for tags. Maybe they're looking. Yeah, yeah, they're probably looking for there's certain certain excitement. I, I I'm trying to think of this in the context of the MLB. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to get its viewers back. Uh, I mean, does it help with base I, running? Because base running's been horrible in the last couple of years. I don't even know anymore. I, that, that seems like a yeah. weird rule, but <sighs> maybe, maybe I don't know. It's 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 definitely a, it's one. All of these rules. I mean, first of all, everything we talked about is not in effect. It's being voted on Correct. tomorrow at the time of this filming. Uh, so we don't know if it's if it's they're going to be even uh, one or all of them mm-hmm. are going to be you know, voted in or thrown out. So we'll, we'll see. But uh, now we get to move on into the main topic of the day, which is the NFL and the future of the quarterback position. This is important, folks, because for yeah. anyone who doesn't know football and you want to know football, everything on the offensive side of the ball begins and ends with the quarterback. Mm-hmm. The quarterback position is essentially where everything runs out of. And I know we've gotten cute in certain ways with the Wildcat offense where they're running, you know, no no quarterback or or, or direct snap kind of thing, but it, it never lasts for long because all offenses are run out of the quarterback position. Now, over the years, the quote-unquote most important position has always been kind of d- debated you know, for a long time in this league, it was all, it was running back, and yeah. and and now there are questions about even right now about whether wide receiver is the premium position uh, in this league. But what I but no one doubts that to have a truly competitive team in this league, unless you have some kind of otherworldly team around around them, you you need a good quarterback. You need a good quarterback, especially in what is now a passing league. Mm-hmm. I mean, who wins the MVP Up, every year, right? Typically, every quarterbacks. Every year, a quarterback's in it, and 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 look, that's that's overblown because there are the specifically with the MVP. You know, there are a lot of other players that I think deserve it oh, more absolutely. every year than a quarterback. But no one can deny that. I mean, look. These are the quarter. These are players that get paid. I mean, what's what's the average market up to now? Forty five million dollars a year. Yeah, I it, mean, it's insanity. Mm-hmm. These guys are being paid forty to forty five million dollars a year if 
if they're a franchise quarterback. And even then, I mean, quarterbacks that aren't even, you know, true, you know, they're still getting paid. Mm -hmm. So everything revolves in the offense around the quarterback. And and for the reason for that, so up until, I want to say, the late 2000s, I mean, only a handful of quarterbacks really stood out from the pack, you know, over the – basically through the NFL's history up to that point. Mm-hmm. It was around the 2000s that, you know, I was, ah, let's call it mid to late, that, you know, th- players like Peyton Manning and, and Tom Brady and, and uh, basically players that were consistently putting up great passing numbers, that's when that became the norm. Mm-hmm. Before that, that it's, you know, great great quarterbacks, great passing quarterbacks were, were I don't want to use – I don't want to use the term rare, but that's kind of where I'm headed because you, you really uh, there were there were a lot of other factors in years past. Mm-hmm. Whereas now this is a passing league, and I know that the run game is very much important. It is, but still, if you don't have a passing game in this league, you will not win. You will not. You, you will not you win. Cannot keep up with the other teams. It just will not happen. Nope, not with how and 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 there's there's. One factor and one factor to think about when it comes to having a quarterback and a good passing attack, it's that the trend in this league, in the NFL, the trend is that defenses are getting faster and the requirement of an offense is to be able to basically keep keep ahead of the pace here mm-hmm. because these linebackers are keeping up with re- wide receivers now. Yeah. And – and, and, and cornerbacks, I mean, forget about it. These guys, I mean, you you get a star cornerback, you might as well you, you can write your 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 team into the playoffs mm-hmm. with with a good secondary. Are you kidding yeah. me? You know, with, with with a good safety and everything. Yeah. Oh man, defensive you know, ends are probably the most athletic players in the league now. The league. Oh yeah, I mean the league, I mean, the entire league. So defenses are making it difficult, which is what they're designed to do. Mm-hmm. So it's important that we talk about the, the the quarterback position because we've seen what we've seen. Uh, I think there are certain trends we've seen uh, running back take a dip, and now it's kind of coming back up. Mm-hmm. But that's that that's for a conversation for another day. As is the conversation about wide receivers, which wide receivers are getting more and more premium every year because they're getting more athletic, and the rules are shaping around them. Mm-hmm. So you really can't touch them. Now, since and, and given those rule changes, that affects the quarterback too. Because if you have a good quarterback that can consistently get the ball where it needs to be on the field, suddenly you're you're you're, you're passing attack. You're moving down the field and you're scoring. Yes. So, it high-powered offenses require these days they require a a, a really premium quarterback, and that's what we want to talk about today. About the you know there has been discussion among just about every major sports media outlet and minor sports media outlet major all the way up and down the chain about what the future of this position is because mm-hmm. we've seen like i said we've seen the you know where where truly great passing quarterbacks were rare in the days of like Johnny Unitas mm-hmm. to the point where they become more commonplace like today and you know i i i think that there's a there's a split there's a split among professionals and amateurs alike that really, when, when we're analyzing the situation, we really don't agree on what where the future of this position goes. Mm-hmm. And 
because and, and there's and there's two camps that we really want to talk about. Now there's a lot of different factors, but we really want to hammer these two, which are, well, we'll call it two and a half if you want to split the difference. There are pocket quarterbacks, and there are running quarterbacks. Now the now the split the difference is the the mobile. Mm -hmm. The mobile quarterbacks are kind of in the middle, whereas they, yeah they're more pocket or they're more run, but they've got a little bit of both. You know, major sports outlets will tell you one thing, but but all of the evidence shows that they mean the other. And what I mean is this. You'll hear every single one of these sports uh, you know, outlets, they'll say this. Oh, the mobile quarterback. That's the future, man. The mobile quarterback. You can't you can't go in this league without a mobile quarterback. Mm -hmm. And what what they you know and, and on one you know on one hand I, I kind of think they're right. But if you look about everyone they talk about they mean running quarterback. And because every single time they talk about a quarterback that is quote-unquote mobile, who do they mention? They mention, inevitably, Michael Vick. They mention Lamar Jackson. Mm. They mention Josh Allen. They, these are quarterbacks, and, and, and it's important to note, guys, these are quarterbacks that have designed runs. <laughs> designed runs in plays, which means that they are fast enough and have the, you know, the athleticism to you know essentially they're running it no matter what that, that's the in that play the plays that are set up for them mm -hmm. whereas more traditional quarterbacks like you know uh, your Dan Marino your your uh, your Peyton Manning mm -hmm. Ben Roethlisberger you know more more of a stationary but can you get outside the pocket maybe here and there when we'll go into that but with those more traditional quarterbacks, it's all about the passing game or handing off to the run game. So that's and so that's the baseline. So we want to dive into this because we have I, I have a specific opinion, Connor. What how do you feel when it comes to the conversation around? I think we what we really want to do is is kind of ask ourselves, what is the, the ideal quarterback, right? Correct. So when you think of a quarterback, Connor, I, I, you know, just kind of in just the most basic of terms, what what are you looking for? So I mean, obviously, I'm looking for a guy who's going to complete passes. Um, mm -hmm. I I want a guy with a high IQ, be able to that, look. That's a given, right? Yeah. You would think that that's a right. Given. Yeah, which is funny. I said, but yeah, we're starting to see guys maybe even just coming out of college who are very unpolished and are struggling to complete easy passes passes they should make because the. Wait. The game sped yeah. up, right? But I mean, which is wild. Yeah. Which is wild when you consider that the overall passing accuracy of the field is going up. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I want I want guys, especially in the deep ball. Now, I want a guy who can complete a nice deep ball pass. The over, I mean, you, you know, the dink and dunk stuff will get you stuff on, you know, second and short, third and short, sure. if you need it. Um, but I want a guy who can extend plays to an extent. I don't want them who's I don't want a guy who's looking for it. And yeah, uh, okay. a high football IQ. I want a guy who can read a defense. I think that's the most important thing is be able to read a defense. Oh, yeah. All right, when you say looking for it, what do you mean? Um so you uh, so he's looked through his reads, right? You know, his first, second option, yeah. maybe not there, but he sees a little bit of room upfield and can go get the first down. I'm not talking this guy's going to break a 50-yard uh, a run, but he's going to get me five, six, seven, eight yards, right? And he's going to sure. slide. He's going to keep himself healthy. But I want him to be able to 
if needed but not looking for it as his first option, get me the first down. Ah, so there we go. So you you want someone that's going in and 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 looking at the field mm-hmm. and not just going. You know, going, hey, I'm going to take off. Right. Oh, I see that this could possibly be a 50-yard run. I'm going to take it. No, I don't want that. Yeah. No, I want a guy okay. who's going, gotcha. I've looked through my reads. I've looked through my progressions. I don't see what's coming. I got a guy maybe coming at me, or maybe I've got a, I've got a great pocket, and I still, and I, you know, maybe my line has opened up a hole in the middle mm-hmm. for me to burst through, and I can get, you know, an eight-yard little nice gain. Slide, get the first sure. down. That's it. Exactly. And you know what? It's... I'm right on board with you because that's exactly when I think of a quarterback, I need, I need the combination of a field general, but I need someone that can, can basically protect themselves and get out of the way when necessary. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of debate myself a little bit on how mobile I want them to be, you know, ideally, but I think with how fast defenses are getting, I think you need just a little bit of mobility. But I, the athleticism, it, it, it becomes a question because when you're so athletic and you're so, you know, capable of, of running, you know, out of the pocket and going and getting those yards, it, it can be very easy to fall into that trap of, look, I'm going to rely on me. Yes. I'm not, I'm not going to, these receivers are up. They're not open. They didn't read the coverage, right. Or, you know, whatever the case may be, I'm taking off. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where I I see a lot of quarterbacks getting into trouble. Yes. When, and, and so I want mobility. I do. And I want everything you talked about the football IQ. I want the arm. I want the accuracy because that's what quarterbacks are known for, especially in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. But what I, what I, and I, but I don't want your, stand stand you know till death in the in the pocket i do want a little bit of backyard football if we can you know borrow a phrase from john elway ben roethlisberger a little bit of backyard get out of the pocket if you need to extend the play and that's what it's about extending the play where it otherwise would have ended Mm -hmm. don't just you know take off now here's the thing a lot of people will say we're full of shit because there have been exciting players over the years that have come through and truly looked like they oh man here they go they're they're the end all beat all they're they're playing great in college and they're going to come into the nfl and they're going to dominate and there have been varying degrees of that we've seen that michael vick is the glaring glaringly obvious example Mm -hmm. right everyone that that has that dual athleticism that dual threat is always going to get compared in some way and at some point to Michael Vick. Mm-hmm. Michael Vick was an electrifying player in his time before and after his uh, issues. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, the main thing to, to, to really understand is like, was that the factor? Was that the X factor in winning games? Cause that's what you need. Remember if you're going to have a winning team, you need to have. And as I type in here, uh, you need to have the a quarterback that can carry. I mean, not so much carry you. I'm not saying that they've got to be everything. They have. It's a team sport, but you do need that quarterback to lead the charge. And if we look at Michael Vick's year-to-year performance on his teams, now, mind you, you can you can certainly you know call into question every other player on the roster, but he realistically only had maybe four winning seasons. Went truly 
victorious seasons on those teams. And 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 one and really only one of them was outright, and that was in 2004 mm-hmm. when he when he went bananas and almost won the MVP and 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 went crazy. And and but even then his stats weren't. I mean, this is also 2004, so you got to understand passing stats were were a little <laughs> bit. Um, well, I mean, they, they could be. You could do. You could get a lot for doing a little. Yes. Uh, in passing stats, still in the in the early to mid two uh, thousands. But his rushing yards. I mean, he rushed for nine hundred and two yards that year with three touchdowns. And I mean, he was truly putting on a show that I think every single you know analyst really was just ooh collapsing their hands together because they that's this is what they want when they say mobile that's what they want yeah. they want someone who is a true dual threat and is athletic to a fault almost so that they can see exciting quarterback play because tried and true while while uh, while it works is not is not always exciting so you get people talking about Michael Vick, and then you that leads you to other questions, right? Into RG3 got the same treatment, as has Lamar Jackson and, uh, and Cam Newton mm-hmm. and Russell Wilson. And now, uh, more recently, uh, this year recently, uh, Malik Willis. Mm-hmm. We see all of these quarterbacks. They were, they were touted as the, uh, almost like with Wayne Gretzky-like you know, fervor, we're just like, oh, it's the next one. Mm-hmm. That's the next Michael Vick right there. Here they come. Oh, man. my Oh, Michael Vick, if it wasn't for his legal issues, he would have been just fine. Well, we don't know that. Um, but we also, but what we do know is that all of the quarter, well, most of the quarterbacks that have come in that have been more on the athletic running side of things, I mean, RG3 played two relevant seasons. Yeah. Two. Yeah. I mean, and, and if you look at the three, seasons that he truly played and started the look there's no denying that he was a freak athlete right yeah i mean he was rookie of the year right offensive rookie of the rookie year of the year he played well and, and and the thing is is that what the trend among these type of quarterbacks is that it always works for a little bit right mm-hmm. why because yeah if you've never seen it before how are you going to plan against it mm-hmm. if, you, if you get a quarterback that can just mow you down in in any which way especially if they have a good arm as just like uh, rg3 and Mm -hmm. lamar jackson all these players and even michael vick you know have well it it becomes there's certain question marks how do you plan for that and for a long time particularly in michael vick's early era that the the answer was they couldn't because they didn't have the athleticism on the defensive side of the ball to counter something like that that that's not the case today. <laughs> no, it is not. not we have defenses are insane. I mean, I just I, I to, just to see the linebackers going stride for stride with some of these receivers yeah. is wild alone. Mm-hmm. But there's also another factor we have to you know we have to look at. I think the the first thing you want to look at when you look at running quarterbacks versus more traditional and somewhere in between with, with the more mobile, I think you just want to look at, are they going to, uh, I mean, in my mind, it's, are they going to take care of the football? Yeah, that's true. The, the football, it, look, and, and, and that comes down to fumbling mm-hmm. and, you know, and because it's the passing attack is, is one thing, mm-hmm. but the, 
holding on to the football when you are a you know when you're a quarterback that's that's crucial because these defenses are they hit hard and if you're putting yourself in a situation where you are outside of the pocket with little to no protection you run the risk of potentially losing the football now a lot of people are going to you know bring up injury uh, as another one because i mean look rg3 only played uh, a, you know a couple of uh, two two and a half seasons really realistically and uh, he did get injured um and i'm i, I don't want to hammer too much on that i don't really want to talk about that too much because there's a lot of statistics that go in on that and it's mm. not uh, there's a lot of data uh, out there about injuries and i think that almost could be a separate episode if yeah, i'm being honest true about about injuries to football players even you know position by position but what what isn't really up for debate is where where they're taking the hits because when you take a hit for those who are unfamiliar when you take a hit in the pocket there's at least potential for protection that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean you're gonna get protected. We've seen pockets break down and guys get blasted. Oh, man. I'm guy taking a blind not side saying, hit. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying that it's guaranteed. All I'm saying is that the look whether you're in the pocket or out of the pocket, in the pocket safer. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm also not saying that I'm. I'm. This is not me waving the flag for uh, just pocket quarterbacks. No. But what I'm saying is that when you what, what isn't up for debate is that when you go outside of the pocket. The, the whole dynamic changes. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to take a look at just check this out. So I, I broke down some uh, some numbers here with, uh, you know, fumble, in particular with fumbles by quarterback. I picked out some quarterbacks here. In particular, I picked out some running quarterbacks in RG3, in Michael Vick, and Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and uh, Cam Newton, and Malik Willis and Russell Wilson. So all those are mo- typically more mobile and leaning very heavily into running style quarterbacks with design runs and things like that. And I also picked up uh, some information from more traditional, maybe maybe a little mobile, maybe not, but you know, more traditional style quarterbacks in Patrick Mahomes, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, Dan Marino, and even you know, again, we're comparing. Uh, you know, quarterback situations, uh, Kenny Pickett, you know, with Malik Willis, uh, Kenny Pickett, they both got drafted this year. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, what what you'll find, or what I've found certainly, was that the the data certainly does not favor a running quarterback in terms of fumbles. I mean, if you just look at the games that RG3 played, uh, he played 37 games and he fumbled the ball 32 times. That is point eight six per game that that's wild yeah that's crazy it's crazy to think about because you know you don't think of him being this super turnover machine but you know that happened you know and why do we care about fumbles right right who who cares what oh we care because it's turning the ball over right did they lose did he lose every single one of those fumbles No. no but that i almost think that's irrelevant because when when you fumble the ball now you've got to get it back, yep. which can which can throw yourself into even more risk. Mm-hmm. So the fact of the matter is, is that he fumbled the ball 32 times in 37 games. Uh, and by and these are I'm taking those statistics from the three seasons that he was a true relevant starter mm-hmm. in Washington, and 
you know, I'm, I'm certainly not going to count like, like, the seasons where he didn't start or didn't start a lot of games and still fumbled. That's I don't believe that's fair. No, I think that we want to look at him as a starter. Yeah. Uh, same with Michael Vick. When you look at Michael Vick, the, the guy fumbled 98 times in 118 games that where he was the true, you know, starter or or the main focal point, the main quarterback. Mm-hmm. And he that's that's point eight three. 0.83 we're, that's still all we're we're approaching one fumble a game folks that's a lot mm-hmm. that's just uh, what do you do with that you can't you can't how do you run an offense around it and right. we're supposed to call these guys revolutionary right that the, that's where we, we you start to see it the funny thing about michael vick too was that he was not gr- that great of a passer in atlanta right like obviously Mm-mm. his ground game was revolutionary he was making guys look foolish when he hit him in the open field, but he was a very mediocre passer compared to... Uh, case in point, he when the year that he almost won the MVP, which was in 2004, his passing, t- passing s- statistics... Maybe I've had too much scotch already. <laughs> his passing statistics were 2,300 yards, 14 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. Yeah. These are mediocre yeah. at best. These stats wouldn't even get you drafted, folks. But... This was also 2004 mm-hmm. yeah. because he ran for 900 yards mm-hmm. and everyone's enamored with that. Right. Everyone's, you know, and again, I, I don't want this to be seen as us bashing running quarterbacks. Not I'm, at all. I, I'm about to, I'm about to go into the details on, on, uh, you know, on the, the more traditional style quarterbacks too. And it's not, it's not all that great either, but just continuing down the line, the, you know, I think now we are going to see this. When it comes to Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, two of the quarterbacks that are more recent, they are current stars in the NFL. No one will doubt that. Both of them are the, you know, just essentially what is the current peak of, you know, NFL stardom. Uh, Josh Allen basically is the, you know, is the peak. And you've got, you know, I mean, what he's being paid over $40 million a year. And now Lamar Jackson's about to renegotiate uh, negotiate a new contract. That would be uh, interesting. Hopefully by tomorrow, which uh, at the time of this filming, Friday uh, is his deadline with the team. So uh, we'll see if that gets signed. But with those two quarterbacks in particular, no. now Lamar is more known for his running, mm-hmm. right? He He's rushed for 1,000 yards in multiple seasons. That is incredible. The athleticism is off the charts. And... What did we just say about Michael Vick? His passing stats were, uh, we'll call them subpar at best. Mm-hmm. Now, that has not been the case for uh, at least for half of the seasons that he's played for Lamar Jackson. He won the MVP, and while rushing for what was, let's see, I think, yeah, 1,200 yards and with seven touchdowns, that's all on the ground, which is more akin to a Pro Bowl running back than anything. Yeah. And then you add in his passing statistics, which were over 3,000 yards, 36 touchdowns, and only six interceptions. That is insanity. That's an MVP. Mm-hmm. That is a most 100%. valuable player, no doubt about it. Was, and I say this as a Steeler fan, yeah. folks. He, he was the player that people watching Michael Vick back in 2004 were like, wow, that's what's that's what's going to be yes. the future. Is, right? yes. These guys were going to be running for this, but they're going to throw oh. for, you know, the same time for almost 4,000 yards, right? That's what so. they were looking for. That's what everyone, when they looked at what Michael, what they, what they saw in Michael Vick was they were seeing Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. That's, that's relevant passing and some of the best rushing 
by far. That's a fantastic season. And then he basically did it again the the following year when he rushed for a thousand yards with still seven touchdowns. Uh, his passing yards did take a dip, more like 20, uh, 2,700 you know yards yeah. passing with twenty six touchdowns yeah. and nine interceptions. That's a bit of a that's a, that's a pretty big regression. Let's let's be real. It is, but it's still under ten interceptions. Yes. It's still over 25 touchdowns, mm-hmm. so he had the ratio going. He, not as much, not enough yardage. That's I think that's what it comes Agreed. down to. Not enough, not enough yardage, yardage there, but he uh, he still had what was you know for all intents and purposes was a, a fantastic season. However, then you get into his late his next season. Ah, there were some injury concerns there, so I don't want to throw everything at the wall there uh, with him. But his rushing did. Uh, take a little bit of a dip. He didn't play in as many games. He played in 12 games versus 15. Uh, it did. He did still rush for over 750 yards, but his passing took an absolute dump. I mean, we're talking <laughs> t- basically 2,900 yards, 16 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. Now that is the Michael Vick stats we were just reading. That's more akin to that. Mm-hmm. It. His passing stats dropped, and again, I, every Ravens fan in the, in the history of the planet is going to yell at me and say that, look, he was injured. We were all injured. You yeah, you know, the running the running game was shot, so they couldn't get yeah. they, they couldn't get it moving. Whatever. But but I would argue that the running game wasn't shot because it's Lamar Jackson. He still put up over 750 yards, and the running back by committee still put up enough yardage on the ground. Look, it's one thing when you lose your star rusher and you have to make do, but their star rusher is Lamar Jackson. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I don't accept that excuse as, oh, we are running, our rushing game fell down. I I get it. There were a lot of injuries, but you still had the passing game. You still had Hollywood Brown. You still had Mark Andrews, who apparently over almost half of, you know, Lamar Jackson's yardage went to, you know, and you've still, still had options and it wasn't happening. So that's where I go in. I, I look at that and go, is is that a fluke or is that him finally being found out? I need another season personally to, to figure that out. Yeah, this upcoming season is going to be very interesting now that they're healthy and now that he he's also healthy. Um, yes. Mark Andrews. And he's going into a contract year. He is going into a contract year. So now he's got a big, big... Uh, and whether he comes out, whether he comes out of tomorrow, uh, you know, with uh, the one of the fattest contracts in NFL history, mm-hmm. or whether those contract negotiations get put on hold and they have to go into uh, next season, that it, it regardless, it's a contract year. So yes. he's going to have to put up or shut up here, especially mm-hmm. after that season where, I mean, Baltimore this year they're favored to be to win the division, and last year they were favored to win the division. Then they obviously, I mean, they got third. It was it was just not or not even third. They got fourth. They're they're dead last. So it's like, you know, can you can you come back and still dominate? Mm-hmm. That's the question, because mm-hmm. it would be one thing if we went from his MVP season to this, but we saw a regression. We see an, a, a pretty nat- – he went down 10 touchdowns each year, 36, 26, 16. That's losing – you're losing the passing game there. And and, and here's the thing to I, – again, I know we're talking about a, lo- a lot about Lamar Jackson right now, but he's also – you know they're building the game, the run game around him, and the whole offensive scheme around him to the point that they don't really have a passing game beyond Mark Andrews. 
They've only got a run game that is designed for Lamar Jackson to run. Whether that works or not, we shall see. But speaking of what uh, of you know why I mentioned this is you know we we're talking about fumbles. He's real. He's only fumbled, and I say only. 0.64 per game. That's 37 and 58 games. That's still a significant number. Uh, by the way, the same statistic goes for Josh Allen, 0.64 per game, 39 fumbles in 61 games. So these are two players that have designed runs. Now, obviously, Josh Allen isn't running as much as Lamar Jackson, but he is running a significant amount. These are two players that are, you know, th- the question you have to ask is, are they going to get found out? I think it's di- because it's two different kinds of players, right? I mean, Josh Allen's 6'5", 237 pounds compared to <laughs> Lamar Jackson, yeah. who I think is in the 6'1". Six, 6'2", six, six, two, 212. So right, three inches in yeah. 25 pounds, right? So Yeah, it's not it's not a crazy difference. But it, it um, does add up, right? Because Josh Allen can run between the tackles on a, to a certain extent and take those kinds of hits, whereas Lamar Jackson is going to have to be craftier and he's going to be kind of around the tackles and that kind of stuff, kind of on a rollout, at least in my opinion. And it's important to know. Oh, no, I I think you're right, because if you look at – he's he's more comfortable as a runner in a a more high pressure, uh, like in that kind of – you know, running around the pressure versus – uh, running, you know, out of the gate. Yeah, he's got fantastic and, moves in the open field. I mean, we've seen a lot of. Yes. He, he can make guys miss, right? But where where the differences, uh, where the similarities end is basically right there because you, if you look at the passing stats, yeah. of Josh Allen, that's where he separates himself from Lamar Jackson. You see, he's he's consistently pa- you know hit in the last two years forty five hundred passing yards. With over 35 touchdowns. Now, he does have some work to do cleaning up his interceptions. He's had 10 and 15 in the last two years. Uh, but, uh, and, and we'll see if he does that. He still has a fairly decent completion percentage. I mean, in 2020, his completion percentage was over 69%. That's fairly significant. Um, but he, you know, the, the, the that's where he separates himself. He's got that passing game in droves. Yes. And he's got, you know... In in my mind, a better situation. Now, again, comparing teams, it, comparing players on different teams is is difficult because of the teams around them. Right. But if we're gonna look at these players individually, I will take you a true dual threat is is one that you have to look out for at every single turn. You Correct. Can, you can't just go play to play. Right. Thinking that you know, because what I know about Lamar Jackson now is I'm gonna defend the run because. You want to make him throw. At least in the last yeah. two years. You want yes, to force him to make throw him. Yeah. There it is. There it is, folks. Right fucking there. That is what I'm, I've been waiting for. That, <laughs> make him throw. People, you, all you have to do is sit there with the defense and make the guy throw. Is it, gonna, is it, a, is it a certainty? Nothing's a certainty in this life. But if you make Lamar Jackson throw, at least in the last two years, chances are he's not going to get it to where he needs to be. And by the way, that has nothing to do with interceptions and has everything to do with his yardage. Mm-hmm. He's not he's his passing yardage is piddly for a for a for a fifth year quarterback going in. I mean, he should be averaging at least thir- three I want to say three three thousand five hundred yards, thirty five hundred. Give me thirty five hundred and I shut my mouth. 
But okay. you, in his MVP season, he was all, he only put up three uh, thirty one hundred. Mm-hmm. And I know, and and that sniffs it. But the others twenty seven hundred, twenty twenty eight eighty two. That's not gonna cut it. And I know the yardage. You're thinking, well, what's what does it matter? Seven hundred more yards. It's about the precedent. You're, are you gonna let the guy throw on you? And if it because you want to make defenses scared. Mm-hmm. Well, I I don't believe, especially not last season, that defenses are scared of Lamar Jackson. They will plan for him. Mm-hmm. They are not stupid. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference between being intimidated and being scared. Yeah. It, I think people are intimidated by Lamar Jackson's athleticism, but they are not scared of him anymore. And whereas people are, are I think they're scared of Josh Allen. Because while Josh Allen's not putting up all of the yardage, he is putting up pretty much an average almost of 700 yards a season still on the ground. He is a threat to run, but he's not designed to do it. There are certain design plays. But he's not going to sit there and run on you every single play. Whereas Lamar Jackson, I mean, he was rushing for close to, I mean, his MVP season, he rushed 176 times. In, in the season after that, 159 times, both reaching over, you know, 1,000 yards. And, and that's fantastic. But though, that's a lot of time on the ground. That is a lot of time. I mean, you compare it to, you know, Josh Allen, who, yeah, he sniffed 100 yeah. on uh, 109, 102, 89. Like, okay, yeah, we're, 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 we're getting some numbers there, but we're not sitting here running the ball 200 times. Yeah. And that's where I, I look at that separation. So, but credit where credit is due, they've both fumbled at the same rate. Okay. So, so now I want to put in, so I think, but. The kind of the in between now, just statistically wise, not height wise, none of that. Kyler Murray, right? So Kyler Murray is a pretty elite passer, but he also is all typical a, Cardinals a fan. Typical Cardinals fan, man. <laughs> I, you know, I I am a big fan of watching him play every week. He's you know obviously he's, he's fizzled. A fantastic he's, player. He's fizzled out at the end of seasons, whatever for whatever reasons, but. If we're going to start looking could at be his, him, could be the team. Could be him, could be the team, right? Obviously, he took some knocks last season, didn't play a full season. Sure. But, I mean, he's the compliment, I guess, in between because he hasn't thrown under 3,700 yards and under 20 touchdowns yet. And he's rushed for, I don't know, probably about, about 600 yards in three seasons. So okay. now we're okay. looking at – and he's also the different kind of runner from both of them, right, because he's shifty. Because of his size, his foot speed. So now, where does he fit into your kind of scheme of what are you expecting, right? Because right? you don't want to force him to throw, but you also no. can't let him run, right? So what do that and, and that approaches the the Josh Allen thing. Mm-hmm. Like I I think that he's more akin to that. And and as you were talking, I looked up his his fumbles, and uh, only last season. Did he really hit a true uptick in fumbles with 13? Mm -hmm. But his rookie season was only five. And then, yeah, he did have a little bit of an increase in 2020 and nine. But that's a fumble rate in 46 games of Mm .58. That's pretty pretty good for for a quarterback that a lot of people consider uh, to be leaning into more a run style. But, like you said, he's consistently put over 3,700 yards and as long as you're around 25 touchdowns in that scenario, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, I mean, look, uh, 
he ran for 130. Uh, he rushed 133 times in 2020 and had 11 touchdowns with over 800 yards on the ground. So in that situation, yeah, I'm not looking for you to put up. You know, you put 11 touchdowns on the ground. Yeah. You know, in that situation, in that scenario, you know, yeah, I'm not. I, I don't need you to throw just an ungodly amount of touchdowns. You know. Mm-hmm. So. I think I think you've got something there, right? Right. That's and that's so that's point five eight. If you want to just let me let me run down the list here, and uh, the you know so you got point five eight there. That's very much an outlier. As is another traditional what we consider to be a rushing quarterback in Cam Newton. Yeah. Cam Newton has a fumble rate of point four two in the relevant games that he was the starter and played. He he fumbled 62 times in eight, in 148 games. That is incredibly low yeah. for someone that is more prone to was more prone to rushing uh, with the football, or, or at least was considered a true dual threat. But yeah. we know the reason for this. Yeah, he's he's huge. He's a massive, massive human being. Uh, he could take hits he's, and just yeah. shrug guys off. And man, yeah. He was huge. That's just that's just how it is. There was there's no getting around it. Right. The man is massive. So <clears throat> when you look at, of course he protected the football a little bit better. Uh, you know it, it the size and in this in football it means something. I mean it's and that's why it's a little bit more sketch. You know going back to Kyler Murray when you look mm-hmm. at him he's 207 pounds. He's five foot ten. Yeah. There are question marks surrounding it more than you would from a 237 six foot five josh allen absolutely so but up to this point kyler murray has has not had any kind of issues i don't think he's truly broken out but i don't i also don't think he's he's had any any issues where i sit there and go oh i you know i it's not gonna work for whatever reason no i think he's again no issues there over 3700 yards near at or near 25 touchdowns a season basically except for his rookie season he does need to tone down the interceptions a little oh bit, yeah but we're for not sure crazy um, it's not crazy he's never thrown more than 12 and he toned it down a little bit last year with 10 as so. a cardinals fan though i'm looking for him to take less of the um big runs i mean if he can stay because obviously he can stay in the pocket and throw he's probably one of, he's got one of the best deep balls in the league i'm looking yes for him to not take as many hits now because that's what's starting to hurt us in the long run oh yeah so and speaking of hits i mean there was no greater and because when, when you talk about a quarterback and we talk about fumbles you've got to talk about hits because the you're taking the hits in order let you know, like you can drop a ball sure but more often than not you're dropping that football because someone hits you and no quarterback was hit more in his career. No one was more sacked than Ben Roethlisberger. He holds the record for the most sacked quarterback ever in the NFL, and I think that's what five sixty-four. The uh, most sacked quarterback. Here we go. Let's see. Uh, if it, is it five sixty-four? Five fifty-four. So there we go. Five hundred and fifty-four sacks over his career. That's insane. But he only fumbled 0.46 times per game. That's 115 times in 249 games. That is not nearly as much as it should be, given how many times he was hit. You know, basically where his protection broke down, or whether he when he tried to extend the play. And that shows you you need to have that protection and and have. I I do want mobility, but having more of a passing style quarterback having that passing or at least let me rephrase 
having the passing game set first yes. is what's more important, at least to this podcast. Yeah, and gentlemen, I because having look, look, let's just read down the the numbers here. Ma- Patrick Mahomes point four one fumbles per game. Uh, Peyton Manning point two eight. That's seventy five over the only seventy five in the entire course of his career. That's two hundred sixty six games. Tom Brady point four per game. Uh, Dan Marino, 0.45 per game. And then you get into the newer quarterbacks. Now they're rookies. They're rookies. And they played, we have only seen them play college football. But if you look at Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis is what is the prime example. And he's already being touted as the next thing, the next big thing. He's, he's the prime example of that Michael Vick style quarterback. That's got the big arm and he's got the, you know, he's got the legs, but he, he has the highest number on this list of the ones I compiled, which he fought, he in two relevant seasons at in Liberty. I'm not going to count his first two at Auburn, but his two starting seasons at Liberty, he played 20, 23 games and he fumbled it 20 times. That's 0.87 per game. Yeah. That is almost a fumble per game. You can't have that. And I know he's a college player. He will mature and he will get better. But I got to tell you, folks, a lot of where this episode came from was out of frustration from the recent NFL draft, mm-hmm. which basically if you if you watch the draft or if you read anything about it, when it came to quarterbacks, everybody questioned the Pittsburgh Steelers and then uh, taking Kenny Pickett instead of Malik Willis. And then pretty much every other team, you know, the Falcons taking Desmond Ritter, the, you know, the Panthers taking, you know, Matt Corral before Malik Willis, because Malik Willis is a freak of an athlete. He is truly, he has the legs to burn you. He is really fast and he's got a cannon for an arm, but we've only ever seen that. We've seen it uh, bits and pieces in games, but a lot of his hype came from his pro days and his combine and where he was thrown without pads against no defenders. And everyone was so quick to tout him as the next best thing that the NFL actually invited him to the draft live in, in, in person in Las Vegas and only to watch him go in the third round to the Titans. Mm-hmm. And as if to just deny all facts, you know, every sports media outlet came out and said that, Oh, he's the steal of the draft now. And, Oh my goodness. And I can't believe anyone would, would pick over him. And I can't believe the, the Steelers picked, you know, Kenny over him and everything. And it's like, okay, this is where we, a lot. I mean, for me, frustration as a Steelers fan, I I didn't want anything to do with Malik Willis. I'm not going to, I'm look because you didn't want a project because you didn't believe he was the next best thing. What makes you feel that way? Because, uh, well, kind of, kind of, you touched on two things there, um, but he, but really, what it is is that he, well, let's take it one by one. Project, I no, I don't want a project. I we need a new quarterback. Mm-hmm. This is, again, speaking from the Steelers' perspective here, and as a Steelers fan, who I consider myself, again, sorry, fellow Steelers fans, I consider myself to be a little bit more educated on what the Steelers actually need and actually want and what's actually good instead of the hype. You know, I, I consider myself a little bit more learned. Man's going regard. after the whole fan base today. I'm coming after you. I'm coming after. 
any any of you casual Steelers fans that want to come up and talk to me, I will be in high. I will be. It's still Heinz Field. Fuck you. <laughs> it's, I'll be in Pittsburgh on Christmas Eve at that uh, at the game against the Raiders. You can come up and talk to me. I'll be in row C though, so you know. Uh, but the uh, Malik Willis was touted as quite literally the just he. Oh man, he, the, how could you miss? How could you miss on him? I mean, what he can was just analyzed. He was what ended up. People were expecting to go in the top three, correct? That was kind of where he was <laughs> People, in that last week. The highest I saw him, the highest I saw him was number two at the Lions. The Lions, correct, yeah. That's the highest I saw was, and, and and by the way, that's a team who also had two first-round picks. So I, but they had some, some uh, you know, mock drafts had him at number two, and those same mock drafts will defend it till the end of time even though they're wrong. And I'll tell you why. The numbers don't support it. When you look at Malik Willis, and again, I don't mean to go in on this guy. He's just the example that everyone was pulling toward. So I really want to take a moment to say that I respect his athleticism, I respect his game, and I respect that he's earned at least the conversation. Can we all admit that, that he's earned the conversation? I just think the conversation doesn't go in his favor because when you look at his statistics, one, he played in Liberty. Yeah. So he was playing against competition that basically wasn't NFL level. And the time, the only game he played NFL level competition was against what Missouri. And he got clapped through three interceptions that game. Mm-hmm. That is true. He did. And when you look at the season, everyone points to is his 2020 season where he he balled out and rushed for 944 yards with 14 touchdowns on the ground and threw for over 2,200 yards with 20 touchdowns and only six interceptions. And one, uh, one of those uh, touchdowns was 83 yards. So I look at that and I go, yeah, that's a, that's a great season for a Liberty quarterback. Like, I don't see that as particularly all that. And, of course, I say that as a fat ginger sitting in Maryland right now. (laughs) So I understand the image that I am projecting to the world. I am not unaware, and I'm not going to sit here and talk like like I don't respect the man's athleticism. I do. I'm simply saying that when you look at Liberty compared to every other college football program, especially the ones in the top, the actual – legitimate you know top uh, programs which which he was uh, he was part of it he went to he was going to go to auburn and then you know backed out of that so he went to liberty and dominated in he was a a medium fish in a very small pond and he did worse against worse competition because the next year you know what what can marketably can a little bit of market improvement in uh 2,800 yards with 27 touchdowns, but he doubled his interception rate with 12 and still putting up nearly 900 yards with 13 touchdowns on the ground. I Again, I respect that. But when you put it into context, which is desperately needed here, the context is that he was doing this against teams that simply didn't matter. They didn't have NFL talent. And the one team last season that he faced, he they got destroyed. So I, 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 I don't look at that as the next big thing. I simply don't. I, I, when I see his athleticism, I, and, and by the way, athleticism is everywhere. 
now. Right. You Everywhere. can't really My- base a player wholly on his athleticism yeah. anymore, right? Because these guys are doing things yes. that are crazy every season. Even just in the combine, right? Some of these guys are doing running what sub four three forties. Oh yeah. You know? But but here's my question to those same analysts that rank this guy as even as high as the second overall pick in this recent draft. That's what they ranked him as. Would wh- how does he compare to C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young? How does he compare to those that guys? That is very true. They I are mean, much more what? polished quarterbacks. That, Caleb Williams. Let's be real. Uh, Spencer more, Rattler. Much more polished quarterbacks. I can go on. I could literally keep going. I could read all of the starting quarterbacks currently in the into the top 25. And Malik Willis doesn't really come out as, well, fuck, we were talking about Wake Forest. Sam Hartman, I think, is a better quarterback. Sam Hartman can ball. So, can you see so sports fans here. that he has a bit of a bone to pick with Malik Willis and what happened in last oh. year's draft? <laughs> I have a bone to pick, not because of Malik Willis and not because of the teams. I think the I think the NFL made the right decision. Look at all of the teams. All of the NFL teams uh, graded him properly, and he went in the third round, which, by the way, is exactly where I believe he should have gone. And but does this mean does this mean that oh I'm saying his career is is over before it begins? No, I hope he claps my ass and just and goes off. I think he's in a great situation in Tennessee because they're a run first. They're in a run first offense, so he's not going to be they forced are. to throw the ball forty times, right? Nope. He's but he's also got he still has weapons. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly a new one in Traylon Burks. I would love to see Traylon Burks. I, I would love I'd love that too and look I I would actually and I say this with with as much genuine emotion as I can muster I do want Malik Willis to succeed I just don't believe that everything he did warranted everyone being so crazy high on him athleticism does not alone does not for a great quarterback make like you can't just look at athleticism and say up oh, that's the end-all beat-all because every quarterback, I mean, uh, the more traditional quarterbacks, is anyone going to sit here and say that Peyton Manning was one of the most athletic quarterbacks? No, he looked like was he was anyone, pulling cinder blocks most of the time, let's be real. How about Tom Brady? Same. Who, who? I mean, for all intents and purposes, is the greatest quarterback to ever play. He, the man can't run, but he he's still putting up the – and, yes, he's part of the old guard. So let's take a look. Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is a – he has mobility, but he is a pocket quarterback. And that's where your damage gets done. Josh Allen is starting to push that envelope a little bit, but for the most part, he is a passing quarterback. He does have designed runs, so it does push that just a little bit. But I do not believe that the future of the quarterback position is a runner. So here's the big question. Is the future – and I've already given my answer, is the future a Malik Willis type or a, a Michael Vick type, a, even a Lamar Jackson type, or is it a more traditional, or is it somewhere in between? That's where it gets funny. That's Because I, I, I think it's in that happy medium, right? I think it's where a guy who's going to probably have to run the ball around 60 times a game, right? Who's probably going to have to put around three, 400 yards but yeah. but that's getting the key yards, right? That's where when it all goes to hell, 
win it all, you know, and you've and you've already tried. You've you tried to find your guys right that you know are gonna get you the first down, or your pocket breaks down off a of blitz, mm-hmm. and you see, all right, there's the five yards I need. We're gonna pick up the first. That kind of stuff. Or you see the pocket break down, yeah. you roll out to your right, and you find your guy, but that takes you another two or three seconds, you know. That you Yes, it's, and I, it's very tough to say that in this NFL now that you just have to stand in the pocket. Because, I mean, you still do, right? You're still going to have to stand in the pocket yeah. sometimes and make throws. But you are going to have to extend plays in certain scenarios. It's just it's just the way it is now, in my opinion. I'm, I get it. And, and I'm on board with it. I'm not, Again, I respect athleticism. And, and what I want to make clear is, like, when people talk about average quarterbacks, average, right? What do they say? I mean, I hear this one a lot. Oh, uh, Kurt Cousins? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I was me? waiting for you to bring really? that one up. Kurt? Kurt Cousins? Okay, can we just take a look at what Kurt Cousins has done, uh, including his most recent year? He threw for 33 touchdowns, only seven interceptions, over 4,200 yards with a 66% completion rate. By the way, if you look up the most accurate quarterbacks to ever play, he is on the list. He, he averages almost 67% completion rate in his career and that's what you have to look at remember what i said i I know i talked a lot of shit so far but i said at the top you need to have the passing game down pat yeah absolutely when you when you look at quarterbacks and we thought that's why lamar jackson looks so fucking stunning in his mvp season because it looked like he had it and mind you he could easily be the MVP this coming season. I, I, I it, This is the year. This is the year that really is going to be the test to see. I mean, they're healthy on paper, and, and you got Lamar Jackson coming in into a contract year so with a scheme built around him. So that's the question is can these quarterbacks I, – I, look, if it worked and the data was completely I mean, and utterly against me, I would have nothing to say. I, I simply wouldn't have anything to say. But, I mean, okay, the data so, is in my favor. Yeah, and here's the thing. So just to name off, in the last, let's say, nine years, Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford, mm-hmm. Tom Brady, yep. Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady again, Nick Foles, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Joe Flacco. So two of those guys realistically were running quarterbacks, <laughs> right? Or, like, in the vein of running quarterbacks, a more yeah. mobile. And then even 2010, yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is a semi-mobile quarterback, but what do these guys all do, right? Uh, they throw the ball well. They're high IQ guys. Joe Flacco, I mean, he was kind of running. Uh, I mean, he played a great Super Bowl. Let's not let's not take that away from him. He, you know, he beat a great team. He had a good season. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, none of these guys good. were considered guys who they're going to beat you on the ground, minus Mahomes, minus Russell Wilson, minus Aaron Rodgers, right? But Aaron Rodgers isn't really going to beat yeah. you on the ground. He's going to get the key no. yards. He's a smart runner. And look, so and what 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 does it do for you? Because the question is this: Look, it's gonna make it. It's gonna be exciting. I think. I, th- I think while that excitement is there for, and the dual threat is, it, it's important to have. Uh, uh, the 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 key word there is threat, mm-hmm. not certainty. Yes. You know, I because I, I know again we talk about Lamar Jackson. Just make him throw, because that's where he objectively is worse. He's a better runner than he is a thrower up to this point. Up to this point, he's of course he's only played for four years, so he's got a lot of time. But up to and, and, and that's another thing. Speaking of time, is that 
these more run favoring quarterbacks don't typically last long in this league. You can't. It's just because it becomes the same thing as running backs, right? You cannot take hits. You can't. You know. You cannot take punishment. No. And and mind you, quarterbacks do take punishment in the form of sacks. And I mean, like I just talked about with Ben Roethlisberger, he took so many you know hits over the, his his career. But it, it's different when you're running in stride versus when you're planted, mm-hmm. or or at least just getting out of the pocket. Absolutely, it's different. Not every single one of them was a hit in open space. No. Because I'll tell you what, if you're not going to slide and you're going to take that hit, it's going to hurt. It's, it's going to shorten and your career, plain and simple. Like, I, we're oh, at that yeah. point I in mean, the RG3? NFL where, yeah, well, yes, yeah, because he was trying to get out of bounds and he took that big hit. He took a couple of big hits trying to get out of bounds. Exactly. RG3, his career didn't last nearly as long as it should have. Michael Vick, I mean, yes, barring some suspension issues, but still, his career was not as you know fruitful well he got you know did, as it as it could have been he did get better as he was forced to become a passing quarterback correct he did have to because if you look at his stats if you look at michael vick when his average passing stats right went to the well eagles look what happened when he went to the mm-hmm. eagles yes when he went to the eagles he he was passing for over three thousand yards and this is in 2010 when that's still you know, was still, you know, uh, top tier passing for over 3000 yards or 3,300 yards and becoming more of that pocket style quarterback. Mm -hmm. He wasn't running the football nearly as much as, you know, as he had been, you know, prior to his, uh, his legal issues. And you got to look at that and see a trend because, you know, when you see, when you run more, you open yourself up more Mm -hmm. and, that that's the weak that that's the the part that could be conceived as weakness right or perceived as weakness rather and just they come into the league and they look for that run they look for that run rather than looking for the pass lamar jackson that that's clear if he thinks he can beat you he's going to try mm-hmm. as does malik willis he's already done it in the preseason folks i mean he's he's, he's a backup quarterback he's had but, some pretty very large runs but yes you can tell and that was the thing i had with jalen hurts last season Jalen Hurts had a very up and down season. He started off very hot, went on a very cold spell throughout the middle of the season. I think part of it was a new coach, and I don't think Nick Sirianni's offense was um, tailored to Jalen Hurts, but there were a lot of times where he was very much trying to even extend plays and look for the pass, and they were getting flags called for holding because their offensive linemen had to basically just hold on for dear life at that point because they were protecting their quarterback, right? So, but you look at yeah. uh, he's still run. He's running. Mm-hmm. He's a run, he's looking for that run. He's eight hundred yards on the ground with ten touchdowns for for Hertz, which is great. Yeah. But his passing attack suffered. He only had sixteen mm-hmm. touchdowns to nine interceptions, mm-hmm. and he he passed for under thirty two hundred yards. Mm-hmm. That's not going to get you very far into the into the NFL season or or playoffs. You need to have the passing game down yes. first. You're a quarterback. Yes. You're a quarterback, and I understand. And someone could come at me and say, "Look, you can win. as long as you win. What does it matter?" Right. And, and to that, I say, "You're sure, I guess." <laughs> but like, why? If I if I have a tried and true way, if I can, if I've got something that that actually gives you with data backed up with wins more consistently versus something that you just want to try that ends up. <sighs> I mean, you put yourself more at risk, and you don't exactly walk away with more wins. What what are we even talking about here? Like, 
I, I'm, not, I'm not even saying that I want to. I don't want. I don't want a Peyton Manning in this league. Peyton Manning in this league today will get killed, like it, because simply because you need these. All these linebackers are so, and you know, defensive backs and everything are just so crazy fast and strong. They're gonna get killed. But in that vein, in that vein. Let's talk about that. What, if we're going to build, I want to build was a perfect gonna, quarterback. I was going to segue. I was going to say yes. we gave we gave each other some homework this week. Yes, we gave each other a little bit of, of a task, and that is to build the perfect quarterback. Uh, you know, essentially breaking down by you know certain statistics and going into what we see, uh, and this is just our opinions individually. We don't know each other's lists yet into uh in, into make, basically making the perfect quarterback out of you know former or existing uh quarterbacks mm-hmm. and so what we went through is when we the statistics we picked out were four main ones which are football iq arm strength accuracy and mobility and then the final one is going to be a flex so it's going to be it could be it could be anything anything that we deem as important that you uh, feel your quarterback should need to have to be successful in this league exactly so let's start with football iq and connor kick us off when you think of football iq what quarterback is going to give you what what quarterback did you pick to build your your perfect quarterback this probably shouldn't be obvious but i mean it's going to be peyton manning right realistically the probably the student of the game and as far as anyone goes the man literally can see a, well, a see a quarterback move in a certain direction, and go. I've seen this guy do it over how many hours of tape, and I'm gonna change my entire play calling around and move it to where my guy that I that I'm picking is getting a hot route. I'm gonna have a small audible, maybe change to a run, and we're gonna get yardage off it, right? I mean, the yep. true student of the game, in my opinion, the guy unmatched. Oh yeah. So and I and I agree with you mostly because that is also who I picked for football iq it's got to be peyton the man like every for every all the reasons you just said this man knows how to read a defense he knew i mean into into years of you know when when passing attacks were evolving into evolving to where they are now he could read it from top to bottom Mm -hmm. say anything you want about peyton manning the one thing you cannot say is that he didn't know what he was doing, mm-hmm. right? He he knew exactly. He always knew exactly what he was doing and how to pick a part of defense. Exactly. So we agree on that one. So football IQ hands down goes to Peyton. Who are we thinking for arm strength? Arm strength, personally, I think I'm going to go with Matt Stafford. I, I love the gunslinger mm-hmm. mentality. I, I really enjoyed watching him over his career. Honestly, okay. I hate that he had to be a Ram, but I'm glad that he won a Super Bowl. <laughs> But I have enjoyed Fair watching enough. him. I mean, he, he is the true epitome in my in my mind as a young football fan growing up throughout the years of a true gunslinger quarterback. He's done a – I mean – I love it. He's grown – obviously, he had Calvin Johnson, right? So he's had one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. True. But without him and just growing over the – you know, since Calvin Johnson retired, he really has had to just kind of get into the pepper the field that never say die. I'm going to throw bombs and uh, on the Detroit Lions too, right? So with without, like you said, with without, uh, you know, Megatron on the team, he was still passing still a very, for very effective insane quarterback. stats. And he's and he, he's only gotten more accurate with time, too. So just there's that side of it, even considering that he's 
a gunslinger. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great pick. That that is wonderful for me. I'm gonna go with Mr. Goldenarm himself, Dan Marino. Okay, okay. We're we're pulling in a little bit of an oldie, but this is the quarterback that really redefined the they the I would say redefined the gunslinger because yeah. when you look at traditional gunslingers, I think what I think is I would uh, you pull out like like a Terry Bradshaw, okay. where it's truly a. You know, uh, you throw it in the air and you just hope and pray. I pray to God <laughs> your guy comes down. Because say what you will, yeah, pray that you come down with it. And lucky Terry had two Hall of Fame wide receivers pulling that ball down. Mm-hmm. So it worked out for him. But Dan Marino, he was one of the first quarterbacks, uh, or, or at least one of the first examples, you know, along with like Johnny Unitas, that truly he made receivers. Yeah. And I think that his arm strength was a very – big part of that so i'm gonna go with uh, dan marino in that uh area and next we've got what is probably i would say it's got to be most in, almost most important uh you know bes- behind maybe football iq is accuracy so who are we going with accuracy <sighs> another another uh another guy i grew up enjoyed watching playing i mean it's gotta be drew Brees for me right i mean he could hit throws yeah at, uh, every, <laughs> at every level right and he wasn't just like, oh, he's dinking and yeah. dunking. He was hitting deep balls. I mean, uh-huh. career average 11.3 yards per completion, right? So, I mean, that's a first down every completion, quote unquote, right? I mean, yep. And I'm t- and I'm going to agree with you again because that's exactly who I picked too. Because he is the most accurate quarterback of all time. Mm-hmm. Like that one was a pretty easy one. The guy was approaching 70 percent of his passes completed i mean what was it 67.7 for his career i mean let's look at this way this he threw 657 passes in 2011 right so almost 700 yeah. passes completed 468 which is good for 71 percent. so he was throwing a ton of passes and still completing at an incredibly high rate on a high-powered offense like insane, insane. and this is a guy who you know i mean he he you know, we're talk- we talked about uh, having, you know, physicality. This is a six-foot quarterback, mm-hmm. an under-200-pound mm-hmm. quarterback that was, you know, also, uh, you know, many may not know that or remember that he suffered quite the injury at the beginning of his career yeah. and then, you know, came back to, you know, essentially complete a career that seats him as probably a top-five quarterback of all time. An all-time you know, great. And certainly, mm-hmm. yeah, he's an all-time great regardless. But And then his accuracy – is just no question. So that's another one where we picked again. We did not show each other our lists before. So <laughs> that's two where we've agreed already. But now we go into mobility. We've talked about it a lot today. Who are you going with? <laughs> well, now. And tell me why. Now, babe, now we're going the Homer pick. It's Kyler Murray. It's 100%. <clears throat> I mean, I get to watch him. You sassy bitch. <laughs> I watch him, you know, obviously, Cardinals fan, I watch him as much as I possibly can. His his foot speed off of going from 1% to 100% is almost unmatched. He has fantastic moves up the field. I mean, he's made guys miss in incredible ways so far, and he's a very young quarterback. Um, I'm hoping – obviously, he does tone it down to some extent because I don't want him taking the hits, but just pure running ability, it's got to be Kyler Murray. Okay, that's fair. That is a fair pick, and and – I got to admit, I have overlooked Kyler in, in some of the conversation, you know, today because of just he has been more consistent. So he hasn't drawn my ire or, uh, 
you know, or, but he also hasn't been so crazy. I don't think he's had that breakout season yet, but that mobility, it is unquestioned for me. I got to go. We've talked about him a lot today. I got to go Josh Allen. Okay. And that is because of what he can do, not necessarily what he has done. And I want, I want that mobility. I don't want the designed runs. I don't want the, you know, I, I want the option to run. I want the dual threat, not the dual like certainty. I, I just yes. want, I want his ability. So that's why I'm pick. When I pick him, I'm picking him for his ability, and that's what's going into my perfect quarterback is Josh Allen, very high you know, on without a doubt. Mm-hmm. As you know, as that mobile, who I mean, hell, he's being picked as the you know potential MVP favorite. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. And, uh, you know, we'll see where, where he goes with his game. But finally, we come down to the the flex position. So we, this is one where we get to pick this extra thing that we – this extra stat or intangible, whatever the case may be, to this – you know, and to build our perfect quarterback. So, Connor, what is yours? So I'm going very deep into this one. I was going off of gamesmanship and craftiness. I'm picking Aaron Rodgers. I, I, his ability, his really? hard, his hard counts, and his ability to do damage off of the hard counts. He has the most yards per air completions off of uh, penalties, right? Oh and man, certain things that's like a that. I, good one. I like that, right? That's, I, I mean, that's free plays, right? So even if they're not completed, you're still getting X amount of yards per whatever whatever the penalty oh, is, yeah. right? But if you score or you get a big completion, you just call it off. And you say, "No, I'm taking yeah. I'm taking the yards." I, you know, I think that's Absolutely. important. I think having that next level of gamesmanship and going, "All right, I want extra yards." That dives a little bit deeper into that football IQ mm-hmm. almost where it's like a side it's like an an adjacent yeah. if you mm-hmm. will. So, that's a really good one. So, Aaron Rodgers there. I like that. For me, I'm going a little bit more uh, simple and traditional. I'm going durability, nice. and you know I got to pick my man, Big Ben Roethlisberger, nice. and his durability. When we talk about taking hits, and he he took a lot, but he never gave an inch. This is a man who was a multi Super Bowl, you know, winner. She's a multi Super Bowl champion, and uh, he he really he knew how to protect the football, how to stay you know upright and shake off defenders he's called big ben for a reason yes he is he was six foot five and and he and a significant weight but he was shaking off these yeah. defenders left and right yeah. even into the latter years of his career you could not take this man down even though he was the most sacked quarterback that is by quantity that is by simply quantity because if you saw this man play as, as we did he truly was shaking off defenders left and right so well, there you have it, folks. So we've got our perfect quarterbacks built here. And dare I say, I'd love to see these, you know, uh, uh, two quarterbacks with these kind of skills. Yeah. That's perfection. That would be That's fun perfection. to watch. Are you kidding me? Because, uh, look, I, and again, this episode is going to be a longer one, you know, because you know, it's it's the rant of, uh, of Tyler today. And we like to have but, fun here. <laughs> we we like to, to have fun, certainly. Um but it's just it's the quarterback is so important in in football. It, this sport requires you to have a good quarterback in one form or another, and we I just don't subscribe to the the notion that that physicality and athleticism on the ground equals this undeniable mm-hmm. you know 
talent at the pro level so, because every piece of data we've seen says otherwise. I got one more follow-up question. So you have to pick right, a quarterback to build your team around today in the league currently. Who are you taking? Current quarterback. Mm-hmm. Who are you okay. taking and why? Current quarterback. All right. So current quarterback. Uh, okay. So are we are we factoring just just skill skill level and we and we call that mm-hmm. right? Okay. Well, in that case, I am going to take. Oh, that's a good question here. All right. Regardless of age and regardless, of, we're just throwing it out with talent. Mm-hmm. I think who I'm going to take is Kirk Cousins. Wow, Kirk Cousins, really? Why? I am going. Be, Man look, loves his accuracy. I, we, we, Let's put it that way. I love accuracy, and the man has put up a lot of it. Look, there's no denying that Kirk Cousins can get the ball where it needs to be. That is, if you if you say otherwise, you simply don't know football, and I will challenge you <laughs> in any level because he has had consistent ratings even when he was on the Commanders, a team that was woefully unprepared to deal with the you know the talent and and surround him with enough talent to truly bring out everything that he could give you know it, like he has you know a little bit with the Vikings but if you look at his years with the Commanders particularly the in 2015 to 2017 he was putting up fantastic numbers he was he he passed in 2015 he had 69.8 percent completion rate wow that is almost 70 percent at the pro level on a team that literally nobody not even uh, not even commanders fans would uh, would expect so to do that on the teams that he has which is the commanders and vikings and i know he's got justin jefferson now but and and he's and he's had Thielen and all that but we're talking about an accurate quarterback here, man. And I know he, but you're, you're, I'm going to get some shit for it, yeah. but uh, you know why? You, you know why you don't talk about him? Because he's Mr. Consistent. That's, That's what he does. He's not going to blow you out of the water with any crazy stats, but he's going to give nope. you the same thing every year. And I have the benefit with that because I know he was given that he was given a lot of guaranteed money, uh, the first guaranteed contract yeah. and everything, but he's also not, he wasn't, uh, blowing the bank that's true you know, breaking the bank on, on his team like a lot of these you know running you know more mobile and running quarterbacks are because of their athleticism so people you know hide in plain sight i'll take it all day give me kirk cousins all right that's a very interesting pick i was not expecting that but i'd like it when you break it down <laughs> that way that was that was a great pick out of left field man and you backed it the hell up i can't even say anything after that one <laughs> I'm going right, to go way more simple. Up. Let's put it this way. I love this kid. He's, he's been one of my favorite players in the entire league since he's coming. I'm going Justin Herbert, man. I guess oh. there's nothing else I can say. I love watching this kid play. Yeah. Drafted him on my fantasy team again this year. I'm looking to win. He's a, I That's mean, a good one. Uh, dude, I, he, he can run. He's a big body. He can throw the ball. He can read defenses. He's yeah. young and he's just getting better. I, I love watching yep. him play. I love again, this and and play. we were taught. I know, I, and that's why I mentioned age because I look. We're talking about regardless mm-hmm. of age. If we we're just starting mm-hmm. uh, from when they were rookies to building a team, so I stand by my statement. Absolutely. But God damn, Justin Herbert though, oh, he is just really. Tr- I mean, 
he's got everything you want. He literally has a piece of everything. Mm-hmm. He's got the accuracy in droves because he's never he always passes for over sixty five percent. He's got he's only getting better, and he does have a little bit of the dual threat on him. So you can't you can't leave no. him alone. But you you will get burned by him in the air. He passed for five thousand yards in his second yeah. year in the league. The kid can I mean ball. that can't be understated. No. Yeah. A future MVP ball. in this league. I don't think anybody's gonna fight me on that one. And if you do, nope. I, I, you gotta you, you gotta watch him play. I guess <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> exactly, because uh, I mean, he might win it this year, so you never know. Mm-hmm. But uh, folks, it has been a wild ride in this episode, and uh, as we approach uh, or just eclipse two hours here, because uh, you know we had a lot to say, and I, I, I'll be damned, I don't think I'm cutting any of it because this is important. Uh, this is an important position, and as the NFL starts, literally. Tonight, as we're filming this, you know, and we've got a, a you know weekend of games coming up, you know, it's it's really important to to look at the position that is the most important in this sport at the moment, and that and and I'm glad that we were able to sit down and talk about it, and uh, you know, going into next week, we will be taking a left turn, if you will, into the world of professional, well. Fighting. We're going to go into the UFC and title fights. And, well, I mean, I don't want to give too much away here. But, you know, we've seen over the years uh, how title fights have taken shape and how they uh, and, and, and what, what what's going to change. Hey, do we need to does the champion need to do more yeah. truly no. to win a fight to set that tone and hold it? Or do, do they just need to hold and you know hit the ropes and just say hey you got to earn this yeah. so we will dive right into that next week but until then cheers sports fans <laughs>